0: RadioInfluence.com
1: You are sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. Welcome to City Ringside. My name is David Penzer and we thank you for tuning in to this thing that we call a podcast each and every week. And, uh Looking forward to our guest this week. Wanted to interview him for a long time. A little bit of controversy surrounded him and myself and Shark Boy and and Twitter. And we'll get to that towards the end of the interview. But um, really looking forward. This guy wears a lot of hats in Impact Wrestling. Uh, we go all the way back to the XWF days. So uh, it should be an interesting conversation. I uh, just want to remind you uh, if you're. Checking us out on social media at David Penzer or at Penzer Ringside. If you want to email me for anything, ask any questions, we do answer them on the air. David Penzer at RadioInfluence.com. David Penzer, all one word, at RadioInfluence.com. As always, do not forget to subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends and neighbors, spread the word. We thank you for tuning in and uh, look forward to bringing you Uh, more great content as 2018 rolls on. So without further ado, please welcome the lead announcer for Impact Wrestling, the VP of Digital Marketing and Content, uh, former Tough Enough alumni, former WWE jack-of-all-trades, former possibly XWF cruiserweight champion, the one and only Josh Matthews. All right, ladies and gentlemen, as we told you, this month, the month of February, I'm sitting ringside, is Impact Wrestling Month, where we're going to have a guest from Impact Wrestling each and every week. Last week, the Executive Vice President, Scott Demore dropped by, and we're doing this to promote their co-promotion with Twitch, and uh, somebody who could explain that promotion in um, much detail is not only uh, the commentator, the broadcaster for uh, Impact Wrestling all around the world, but also the Vice President of Digital Media, and uh, he'll be able to tell us towards the end of this interview much more about uh, everything going on with Twitch and how they got involved in that and what are the advantages. I know uh, we had a fan that over social media uh, wanted to know when there's going to be a concrete schedule put up of what is airing and when, so Josh might be able to answer that. We'll get to that. Uh, I want to welcome Josh Matthews the City Ringside. Josh, how are you, sir? I'm good, Dave. Thanks for having
0: me. I really appreciate
1: it. Well, thanks for coming on. You don't seem to do a lot of these, so I wanted to grab the opportunity if I could. Um, sure. It's funny. There's a lot known about you in the the the, world, the wrestling world, and and if you look into your 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 you know your life and career and the interviews you've done, there's not so much known about you. There's just a couple of bullet points. Um, I know that you started off at Tough Enough before uh, the first Tough Enough. Before we uh, we get to that. I'm assuming since you were on that show that you were a wrestling fan growing up. Would I assume correct?
0: Yeah, I was a huge wrestling fan um, as a kid. Uh, I was a, a huge Hulkamaniac. I started watching um, WrestleMania three would have been the first show that I watched uh, live, and became a fan from there. And um, stopped watching when I was a teenager, and then. Uh, ECW got me back. I became a huge fan of what they were doing in uh, Philadelphia, and and never stopped after that.
1: So, um, you must have somehow you must have found out that uh, they were having auditions for Tough Enough. I think, uh, if I saw correctly, they had over four thousand uh, tapes sent in, in, and then uh, whittled it down to thirteen people that were in the cast. How did that all come about? Yeah, I was
0: actually uh, in college. Um, I think my sophomore year and I was watching Monday night raw and I was doing my homework and, you know, I heard the voice of Jim Ross say, uh, you know, do you think you're tough enough? Do you think you have what it takes? And, um, at that point I was, you know, we had VCRs then, right. We didn't have like DVRs where we can rewind or whatever. And luckily I had a a pen and paper there and I wrote everything down and I hit record on the VCR that I had on the TV and and got all the information right. And, uh, stopped doing my homework and, and that night, uh, made my tape and, sent it out the next morning to New York and uh, actually to Los Angeles uh didn't cut it and before Raw aired the following week they had called me a casting director had called me and said they were interested in me um and then a clip of my video played on Raw the next week and then I was in New York for the first time ever a few months later auditioning and um yeah like you said they had I think there was 4,500 uh submissions that they got and uh, brought a few thousand out to New York for the audition back at uh, at then WWF New York, the restaurant there in Times Square. Um, I showed up at 4 a.m. I think I was like 14th in line and uh, spent the whole day there. And then it was a two-day audition process, and and 13 of us made it into the house.
1: Was it like American Idol, where like they whittled you down, like uh, you know they put you in room, not not really rooms like American Idol, but where they whittled you down, you know, uh, from four you know, two thousand to uh, 50. Uh, was, th- was that the process or was it just that at the end of the two days, they told the 13 people who were going to be in the cast?
0: I think they, I remember, let's see. I think it was from the first day. And then I think a group of people, that's what it was. It was like four or 500 were invited the second day. And I remember finishing up that first day and they asked me to stick around because they were going to send camera crews with the people that they either liked or didn't like whatever the case may be um to spend the night with them and and go with them wherever they're going to go in the city and i stayed around all day and watched other people audition and and, you know they let me sit up in the top and and all that stuff and watch all that and then at the end of the day they said to me we're not going to send a crew with you to which i thought oh man i'm never going to make it now that's like that's them deciding i wasn't going to make it on the show um but then came back the next day and and i mean it, it moved quickly i think after that second now i'm trying to remember back like 13 or 14 years but um after that second day we went and got blood work done and and all that stuff had to take place. And then literally, I think it was like four days later, we were back and moving into the house.
1: That's crazy. And as a, I guess, 20, 21 year old guy, uh, who was a wrestling fan. Is that, is that nervous? Are you nervous? Are you excited? Are you uh, terrified? Uh, kind of a combination of both I'm assuming all of them.
0: Well, I, I just wanted to be a wrestler. Like I, I didn't want to be famous. Um, I didn't know the money that came with being a wrestler. Like, that's just what I wanted to do. Um, you know, so I had no interest in being on MTV or things like that at 20. Um, but it was, um, you know, it was my way into the wrestling world. Like I was figuring out what wrestling school I was going to go to and all that stuff while I was in college. Um, this was just the fast track to get into the world that I wanted to be in.
1: So there's been a lot of iterations of tough enough over the years. Uh, yours was the first one and, and probably the most, um, uh, you know mtv-ish if i could say that uh how much uh of what happened was uh pre kind of organized and how much was was legitimate as far as you know they they had like you know little storylines or where, where if i remember you were uh you were uh, upset because maven went to visit his mom and they had that you were lonely and i think a fire broke out at the house at one point because you were messing around with somebody uh how much of that you know back in the day of Of all these MTV, uh, uh, you know, Hogan Knows Best type shows, how much of that was, you know, produced, pre produced drama and how much was uh, legit?
0: You know, back then, I mean, it was reality, reality. Now I know they have scripted reality. And, you know, when Total Divas started, I I watched them shoot the same scenes over and over again (laughs) on that reality show. Um, Ours was completely reality based, there was nothing that was scripted. We were never told, oh, we didn't get that or let's do that again. The only times we ever stopped recording were if they needed to uh, get something like a brand. Uh, I was real bad with like drinking a Coke or a Gatorade or something like that um, to get the brand out of the shop. But other than that, it was just roll on uh, and whatever happened, happened.
1: I'm surprised. I would have guaranteed that that was very heavily scripted. I'm, I'm actually shocked at that. So um, as far as the wrestling and the training went, uh, how did that go? Uh, did you expect, you know, you know, it's a physical sport. You know that, uh, that you're going to be uh, putting your body through the ringer. Uh, Was it harder than you expected, easier than you expected, about what you expected?
0: It was about what I expected. Um, You know, we trained every day in the ring for four or five or six hours, and then we'd go over and and work out. But I was an athlete my whole life as a kid and stuff and played football and sports and things like that. Um, So it was about what I expected. The headaches were a little more than I anticipated from uh, taking the bumps in the ring. But once you get used to that, it was you know, uh, there were some days where I would tell them that it was too easy and, and I don't think they liked that very much, but, um, you know, if, if from someone who liked to train and like to do those things like that, it wasn't harder than I thought.
1: Almost everybody quit that, that didn't make it, uh, to the end, uh, they, if I remember correctly, they only had to eliminate one, one or two people, uh, cause people were getting hurt and quitting and they were banged up, didn't, uh, you know, want to continue. Did you, uh. Did you ever at any point think, you know, uh, uh, this just isn't for me, I'm going to walk away or were you always pretty much in it till the end?
0: No, I was in it till the end. I mean, I never had any um, uh, thoughts about quitting or giving up or anything like that. It was what I wanted to do and, uh, you know, to to last every week and then make it to the end. um, You know, I still wanted to work for that company. So when the transition came to be an announcer, it was, uh, you know, I didn't even have to think twice about it because that's where I wanted to be and that's where I wanted to work. So uh, when that happened, it was just, it was an easy uh, stop wrestling, let's try this um, mentality. So you didn't win. You didn't get the contract at that point.
1: What's going through your head? I know uh, you mentioned that you were brought back uh, about a year later or so, and we'll get to that real quickly. But what's going through your head? You don't win. Uh, Just continue on. Uh, Were you disappointed? I know you were smaller. Did you, you know, it's funny, a lot of the guys now, they get sent to the, or almost all of them, the, the runner-ups get sent to the, the, you know, performance center. But back then, that didn't happen. So uh, were, there, were there any discussions about, you know, stay in touch with us and we like what you have to offer and, you know, bring you down the road later?
0: I think, I, I honestly don't remember. The, the, the night itself was a whirlwind. It ended, um, and then I actually was approached by uh, executives from MTV who wanted me to be a VJ. Um, so I, I stuck around in New York for a couple of days after that and I met with them and auditioned with them and they were getting ready to launch MTVU at the time. So really it just became a more of um, you know, what's what's the next door that's going to open? This this one's gonna close. So I'm gonna go back home to Chicago, I'm gonna go to college. Um, you know, at that point I, I could wrestle on the weekends and things like that. And that and that's what I was thinking as I was um there that night. Um, but really it was just, you know, the the door had opened to be a host on, on television on MTV. And I, I really enjoyed that audition process. So the hosting thing kind of was what was right around the corner for me that I didn't even realize.
1: So, uh, I'm sitting in my office uh, as we discuss this and I'm looking at a, a big XWF poster that I have hanging on the wall and you got Roddy Piper and the road warriors and the nasty boys and, and hacksaw Jim Duggan. And, uh, you're there because, uh, we were going to use you, uh, if, if, if anything, if that would have taken off and, um, uh, what are your memories of 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 coming in and doing those tapings? Being around Hulk and uh, and and the Nasty Boys and and the Road Warriors and and Piper and Sable and and uh, just any memories about your time in the XWF? Yeah,
0: that was so much fun, and you know it was an education for me. You know, like you mentioned, the names that were there, and uh, Roddy Piper was so great to me. Um, you know, you hear all these stories about people in the wrestling business around the veterans and you know, they get in trouble for not saying hello or, or, or things like that. I remember Hulk Hogan came up to me and introduced himself to me and said, my son and I, uh, Nick, who had to be, uh, you know, four or five years old, at the point, you know, um, you know, that they watched tough enough and, and they liked it and they wanted me to win and things like that. And it was, it was surreal. And it was, uh, you know, a great opportunity to, to see those people and to see, you know, a different wrestling company starting. And, and at the time I thought, okay, this is going to be great. This is going to be it. Um, the fact that it, <laughs> you it, and
1: i you and i both
0: <laughs> <laughs> well you know in truth be told um you know years later now i mean um whoever was in charge was sending me a check for a thousand dollars a week for you know a few months and i remember having to call wwe and tell them i can't come to wrestlemania because i'm technically not under contract but it's the right thing to do these people are paying me every week and um you know, that was great. And, and also that it didn't take off also kind of opened my eyes to, okay, not everything is going to pan out the way it looks like it's going to be. You know, it was an education for me. I was 21, maybe at this point in my life. And it was, um, you know, to see all this hard work and all these people come together and everything you guys were doing behind the scenes, um, to see that it didn't work. I thought, okay, oh, you know, (laughs) you, you know, it's, it's, it's an education and it's a learning point.
1: I forgot you were on the payroll. That's correct. There wasn't, wasn't very many people. So, uh, now we let that guy, and I was
0: out. told don't say anything to anybody. You're like one of five people that are getting paid.
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't think any, there's like about 10 people on this poster that are going to call me. If they, if they hear this, thank God, they probably don't listen, but, uh, wasn't, a weren't, weren't a lot of people getting paid, but, uh, I forgot you were one of them. Yeah. Uh, uh, we were, we were definitely going to do something with you as a, a cruiserweight champion. If, uh, it ever took off, but, uh, uh WWE came in and took uh half of our roster and uh and that was the end of that. Um I did see, and I wasn't aware of this at the time. I don't think I've ever heard this, but in, in doing some research for for talking to you today, I did see that right before you went to WWE, you were actually supposed to come in and do uh Wednesday pay per view for, for TNA in its infancy. Is that is that story true?
0: Yeah, I had a contract. Um Bob Ryder called me and uh he said we're starting this thing now mind you this was after the xwf didn't work out um he called me and he said you know we're starting this thing we don't know what it's going to be uh it's going to be on wednesdays and i had a signed contract um and the money was good and um you know they were going to make me this x division champion and um uh, i had the contract sent it back to them and a few weeks later the things uh happened with WWE, where you know they had offered me a, a an employee position to be an announcer which uh i had to call bob and say, hey, look, I know I had to sign a contract with you guys. Um, is there anything we can do? And he said, let me call you back. And he called me back in about 10 minutes. And he said, we, I talked to Jerry and Jeff, and we ripped up the contract, and you're free to go and make a career out of WWE.
1: Wow. So you go to WWE. Uh, at that point, Had you pretty were you pretty much comfortable with the fact that uh, that, that you weren't going to be the wrestler that you wanted to be, and you are going to move more into a, a host role, announce role? Uh, or we used still have aspirations in the back of your head of you know this is my way in the door, but I want to be on the roster.
0: No, and because I had done um you know we did the XWF I think we did nine shows uh, or six shows or whatever the case may be um Green Bay Milwaukee and and the other one um Hammond Indiana and then I had done some independent wrestling and I hated it I hated the driving I hated being alone I hated being away from everyone that I knew um. I hated working with guys that were bigger and, um, uh, not bigger, but bigger and sloppy. <laughs> uh, I hate because you gotta remember I came to the wrestling business backwards. Like I started in WWE and their ring and their manicured everything. And then I went to these indie shows and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is horrible. And this ring is going to hurt me. And, and I hated everything about it. So I was, had made the decision that I was done doing the wrestling thing altogether. Um, I didn't want to do it anymore. So when the opportunity presented itself to be an announcer, that was that was my career full blast. Didn't think twice about you know wrestling ever again.
1: I know uh, big uh, was uh, John Gaborik was a big uh, supporter of yours. Uh, I, I remember when I started in WCW. You know you you start in a company, you have to learn the ropes, especially in the wrestling business. Uh, you know what to say, who to who to talk to. You uh, you know uh, I'm sure WWE was no different. Other than uh, John, who were some of the other uh, people in WWE sort of took you under their wing and and helped you learn you know the ins and outs of the wrestling business
0: when I first started I traveled with Michael Cole um and and he was always that person for me on the road and off the road for over a decade um you know and then there was different um you know sort of chapters of people that we were with and he and I were always together and then there was you know, we rode with Taz for quite a few years and that was a great education. And, and I love Pete to this day. He's always, I could go months without talking to him or getting in a fight with him, but if something happens where I need advice or help, he's the, he's the first person I call. And, um, so Cole and I and Taz, and then, uh, we started riding with John Cena, uh, and then John got the bus and then we rode on the bus with him and Mark Carano. Um, so, I mean, there was always like different things, but those were kind of like the two long mainstays. Um, and then early in my career, Jim Ross, um, was still announcing. So, you know, he was there to help and and Paul Heyman was a huge influence on my career. Um, so those are kind of the people that I was around and, and traveled with and, and did all of my, you know, on the road stuff with. Wow.
1: I can think of worse ways to travel than uh, on John Cena's bus. I'll tell you that much. That must've been an interesting experience to say the least. Uh, I made it, it was great. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I remember I remember uh, right after the XWF I was, uh, uh most people know I did a 45 day book tour with uh, Roddy Piper in a tour bus and uh, uh you know, you get off a bus with a guy like John Cena, a guy like Roddy Piper, a tour bus, you know, where you get to watch TV and you know, uh you know, hang around, tell stories. Uh there's a little bit of swag that goes into you walking off that bus, I would imagine.
0: <laughs> yes, it it just helped with the you know, towards the end there. And I don't, I'm not sure. I don't follow, uh, their programming anymore. So I don't really know what their schedule is, but, um, you know, we were starting to do between raw and SmackDown it would be like 350 miles or 375 miles. So having Ronnie, who was John's bus driver, take us everywhere so we could relax and all that stuff. And I mean, it was great. And they didn't have to do that for us. And I'm, and I'm grateful that they did. Did you ever ride in the corporate plane? Yeah. Only by, because I had to, um, I used to have to get back to Stanford super early on Wednesdays. Um, so the only way for me to get back in time to do certain, whether they were on cameras or videos or whatever, I'd have to fly home, um, with Vince and with the executives and things like that. Um, and then when they got the new plane, it was a little bigger. Um, so sometimes I'd get the invite to, to jump on and get a, catch a ride home early. How was
1: that, uh, riding with the executives and Vince and, uh, any stories you could tell about,
0: uh,
1: any of those flights?
0: Honestly, like nothing super memorable. Um, it was just always an education of learning because you would sit there and not say anything um, and just listen to them talk. Um, and I learned so much. I mean, you know, to be with them after a show and it's fresh on their minds of, of what worked and what didn't work. And, you know, it wasn't always all business. It was, you know, sometimes they turn music on and, and you know, you kind of kick back and relax. But for the most part, it was just trying to listen and, and learn and, and figure out what this business is all about. And, you know, again, more education for me. Uh, free education uh, about the wrestling business.
1: So I made a list and I think I covered all of them. Velocity, bite this ECW SmackDown, raw pre-show superstar Saturday morning slam main event. Uh, think I got them all. Would you call yourself the ultimate, uh, WWE utility guy?
0: Um, uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I don't, um, I think the pre-shows were sort of like my I I'm a huge college football fan and college game day is like my favorite television show. So when we started doing those pre-shows, I loved them. And, and I got to be Chris Fowler for a little while and Kirk, Kirk Street, you know, to an extent and um I had the most fun with those. You know, I did get to call uh, a WrestleMania, I don't know which number it was in Atlanta. Um so you know, I have that on my resume. Um but I mean all those shows that you mentioned like Sunday Night Heat and Velocity, um you know, those were just, you know, even um uh, ECW and all that. It was just different. You know, we we were doing those programming anyway. And, you know, I think they have those guys that do them now. Um, uh, so I, utility, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, wherever they put me, I tried to make the most of it.
1: I miss Sunday night heat, son of a gun. I mean, I thought, I thought I thought (laughs) I had a full list. Uh, tell me a little bit about Vince talking in your ear. I know that, uh, that, that the stories are, you know, uh, you know, lots of people like to talk about you know whether it annoys them. You know, the, whether uh it didn't bother them, and uh, what well, did it did it bother you? And 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 ha- is it hard to commentate while the boss is giving you instructions in your ear?
0: No, it's actually. Um you know, at any given time, you have so many people talking in your ear. When I started here, I told whoever I said, you could read a book in my ear while I'm doing my job and it's not going to bother me. And other people said that. And then as soon as a third person was in their ear, they would be like, ah, stop. I can't stop it. (laughs) Um, it's different to say it and then actually have it happen. And, you know, it's just the way it is up there at any given time. You have your two partners, uh, Kevin Dunn, Vince in your ear and, Kevin and Vince, they don't know when the other one's talking to you. So they could both be talking and, you know, you're just trying to listen and and deliver the, the announce, you know, you deliver, do your job the way they want it to be done and the way Vince wants it to be done. So it wasn't, um, you know, it was, I was nervous at times because I wasn't sure exactly um, where he wanted us to go with different things and and you would make a mistake or do the right thing, you know, based on your instinct. Um, But it was always cool in my mind that he was, so dialed into what was happening that he's listening to everything you are saying and you're his last sort of like way to get it out there. Um, you know, it was, it was, you know, you're in a lot of fire and sometimes that's fun.
1: It has to be intimidating. It would have been intimidating for me if like, you know, in WCW night show, if Eric Bischoff is in my ear going, God darn it, you know, he's supposed to do this. I would have, uh, I, I think I would have had a nervous breakdown, but, uh, uh, so Uh, Not intimidating at all, or you just put up with uh, with 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 that as part of the the part of what it takes to work for WWE.
0: Yeah, and you know what's going to happen, and you know, nine times out of ten, he you know if if you did something he didn't want to do, he would tell you 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 know you did this when I wanted you to do this, but it's over now. You know what I mean? Like like that happened. Okay, now we have to move on. So that's something you have to just keep in your mind: is that okay? It happened. Just don't make that mistake again. If you continue to make the same mistakes, then it becomes a problem. But I you know, to this day, and it's been five or six years since I've been there, I can remember almost everything. And I have a weird mind that way, but I can remember almost everything that he taught me over the years. Um, and it was funny because um, Jeremy Borash, who was now with WWE, who he went there and he was there for the Royal Rumble weekend. And he, you know, I talked to him after everything came out and he said to me, he goes, you know, I, I sort of listened to the announcers get produced and it was everything that you've ever like told me and taught me when we're in. I said, yeah, well, I, you know, it, it, when you do it for over a decade and it's all you're doing, it's your only job there. Um, you know, you, you remember the things that they want you to do and the things that they don't want you to do.
1: So yeah, uh, JB's in for an education. I, uh, I would think we'll talk about him a little bit later, but, uh, uh, you talked about the end of, you know, talking about 10 years, uh, what is what? What would if you had to like you know pick one or two memories? What would be the best memories of your time with uh with Entertainment?
0: You know, a lot of people point to getting um, stunned by Steve Austin at WrestleMania. Um, that was only a way for me to get off the announce table <laughs> for them to. to so I would have liked to finish that show, but I mean that was a, a cool memory. I often I don't look back too much on what I did. I'm more of a forward thinker and and, and what's coming up next for me and my career, but you know, if I did stop and look back, it would be probably that WrestleMania, uh, the whole build-up to that being told I was calling the show, um, you know, all of those things. And then really just the, the whole experience of being there for so long.
1: How was it taking the, uh, the clothesline from JBL just out of curiosity?
0: I almost don't remember that. I know that I, we were <laughs> in Cleveland. I think it was a survivor series and Johnny Ace came up to me and said, I think you're going to take the clothesline from hell. And, you know, and John just said, "Get out of the ring after I hit you." And and I, I think maybe my adrenaline was so uh, dialed in that I I don't really I don't think it I don't remember it hurting.
1: <laughs> he must have liked you then. So uh, tell, me, <laughs> <laughs> tell me, tell uh, me, uh, how did uh, how did your departure of WWE come about? And uh, and then uh, it wasn't too long before you were in TNA. How did that come about as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I knew, I was told it wasn't a big surprise or secret. I was told like six or seven or eight months in advance that it was probably, that was the direction they were going to go. And, you know, it made that last year um, kind of more fun because there wasn't so much pressure on me to to than I put on myself. Um, so, you know, after, you know, we always, everyone there would always say, you know, eventually you're going to get your number pulled and, and that's just the way it goes. And And I had been there for 13 or 14 years at that point. Um, And that day um, in the summertime, Impact was doing their tapings in New York. So, um, you know, again, we had our morning meeting, everything was fine. It was no big deal. It was um, here's your no compete and all the things that we're going to do for you and over the next few months. And then it was um, a phone call first to my uh, family and then to Taz, (laughs) who was at Impact and And I said, you know, if this happened today, said, oh my God, he said, let me call you right back. And he hangs up and he called back and he said, how long do you can be in the city? I said, I could be there in 45 minutes. So uh, I hopped on a train down to New York and and met with impact that day. And we had a handshake deal that day. So I was out of work for roughly five or six hours. Um, And then I got to enjoy the summer in New York, Uh, go to Yankees games, uh, things like that, and then move to Tennessee at the end of the summer and started with Impact uh, the day that my no-compete ended in August or September.
1: So I know that, uh, you know, from, from working with you a little bit uh, in Impact Wrestling this uh, in 2017, I know that you're a guy that doesn't really get intimidated. Uh, was it intimidating at all uh, replacing Mike Tenay, who really was the only voice of, of, of TNA Wrestling from its inception?
0: Uh, I'm not saying this to be disrespectful um, because I respect Mike and everything that he's done, but intimidating. No, that that's the wrong word to use. Um, Maybe it was, it, it was, it, it was humbling. Um, you know, and I, I think that everything that happened with Mike could have probably been handled better by everyone involved. Um, and I'm, I don't want to get into great detail about that, but I think it could have been handled a little bit better. Um, I think Mike did a great job with what he did here. Um, but intimidating, no humbling uh, a little bit. Um, you know, it was just, uh, I know that Mike probably didn't see that one coming in his career. He probably thought that he was going to get to, you know, hand the reins over to to JB or whoever, um, when he was done. And, um, you know, sometimes things don't really work out the way that we think they are. But, um, I met Mike a few times when I came, when they came to VOs, he was super nice to me. Um, full of information, obviously, as everyone knows that he is full of information. Um, be nicer me when, when i had when i dealt with him and you know that's the way things went so
1: to say that there was uh turbulence towards the end of the dixie carter regime at impact wrestling uh would be an understatement uh how was that you you had just kind of upended your life and and moved to tennessee and and i know, know you got married and uh and then you know how, how involved how much did you know as far as you know uh there there you know the VP is on the phone trying to fund the next pay-per-view the day before and all the stuff that came out in the, the the sheets and on social media, how much did you know? And, uh, was it, was it hard to work in that environment after working in, in a, in a, uh, you know, Connecticut for a multi million dollar billion dollar company?
0: Well, how much I knew, I knew everything. <laughs> and I didn't, I'm kind of upset uh, that I did know as much as I knew it. Sometimes ignorance is bliss when you don't know. I mean, because everything that happened, every, you know, that pay-per-view happened. It went on without a hitch. It, 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 well, I shouldn't say that, but it went on. And had I not known what was happening, I wouldn't have had to stress about it or worry about it in the time. Um, but I, and I was in the office every day, and, and I saw what was happening. And, you know, from the time that I left WWE to the time um, I started officially in Impact, you know, the spike deal happened. And I read that as I was at home in, in New York, and I thought, oh, that's not good. Um, you know, when I was in the office, when the executives from, uh, Destination America called and, you know, it was, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. And, you know, people always said that impact that little engine that could, that will always be around. Um, and you know, when we were in WWE, we didn't want impact to go away because we knew it was a place that people could go after their careers were over in WWE and maybe good living. And so the fact that it's, Still going, and it's in the situation that it's in now, and there's a buzz behind it and all that. I mean, you can look back on that time towards the end there with Dixie, but everyone was doing everything they could to make it happen, to make it continue, to make it succeed, and you know, here we are today with we're on eighteen billion platforms, and you can't not watch him in, in two thousand eighteen.
1: Yeah, we'll definitely get to that, and you have a lot to do with that for sure. um So Jeff Jarrett comes in, and you know, Jeff has his uh, his. Guys, uh, and uh, was there ever any any thought that you know this might not end well for Josh Matthews and Impact Wrestling, or uh, uh, you, you just you know uh, any 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 thought you know knowing that uh, JB was his guy and you know there's only one play by play guy. Well,
0: call me crazy, I think I'm really really good at what I do. So that uh, level of confidence and that level of what I think I bring. Uh, always sort of sits in the back of my mind, and if um, you know, sitting, he, actually, we can play that game all day, right? Um, uh, the hindsight and what was going to happen. I got along great with Jeff um, from the time he started to uh, the time that he wasn't here anymore. Um, when GFW was doing the bowl game two years ago in Nashville, that was a cool start. man. I was a big uh, I texted him. You know, I didn't have his number. I DM'd him on Twitter, and uh, you know, I talked to him through there and. You know, uh, to me, uh, you said the ability player earlier. Um, you know, I think my value is more so than just being uh, the best player I play wrestling announcer in 2018. It's also what I do behind the scenes. So I was never like, you know, I was assuming I was going to happen when Jeff came in.
1: It's funny you mentioned that. about. So about a year ago, almost to the day, uh, you caused a social media stir when you said, and I quote, I make no bones about the fact I think I'm the best play-by-play announcer in the world. There's nobody who can touch what I do out there. Uh, I know that you went back and forth with JB on that, and 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 you know, if you hindsight being 2020, as it as it sometimes is funny, uh, that led to you uh, doing a heel turn and uh, and 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 uh, eventually having a a match uh, with JB. And um, so, on a scale of one to ten, when you said that. Ten being the total work and and one being the total shoot. Uh, how much of that was a uh, was was a total shoot? And because I know you believe that. And how much of that whole social media stir was uh was to get the the heel turn started? No, the whole thing was
0: the shoot. The whole everything I said in that interview, um, and you quoted the part where I said and what I said about my career, but I also said what I wanted to do for Impact, and that was bring video games and actual figures, and bigger arenas, and more tours, and people forgot about that, and they held on to the one thing that I said about how I feel I am at that particular job, and that was a shoot, and the story with JV and I didn't happen because of that, that story happened because when Jeff came back to TV, I said to him before I went out, I said, listen to these people, they don't like me. And he sort of laughed and, and played it off. And when like, I came back to the end of the night, he said, no, they don't not like you. They hate you. And I have an idea. <laughs> and we laughed, shook hands, and he, the whole thing rolled out. And then the interview came out um, uh, my first day. That was the interview. And um, when that came out, it sort of just escalated that story. Um, it, it made it happen sooner than it was going to. It was going to be to a slower burn. But because of that interview and because of everyone gravitating to what I said, that particular interview, um, back to what fast
1: forwarded the story to, you know, how quickly we got there. Yeah. I would have bet, if I was a betting man, I'd have bet the house that that was, uh, all planned, but it's funny how it worked out. Uh, I thought, and I told, I've told you this, not kissing your ass. I, I, I told Jeff and anybody else who listened, I thought you were fantastic as a heel. Interestingly enough, um, when I asked you if you enjoyed it, cause most people enjoy being a, a heel, you know, if, if they have their. There are dithers in the pro wrestling business. Would you rather be a babyface or a heel? Nine out of ten i will tell you I'd rather be a heel. It's fun to be able to, to be an ass. Uh, I remember you telling me you didn't really enjoy it. Uh, did you think you were good at it? Did you have to work at it?
0: I thought I was good at it. Um, it's just I think that um, – the role of like company ambassador or someone who's always going to wave the flag of impact or do an interview with 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 you at 4:30 on a Thursday, um, you know, at the end of the day, or to do you know the the media that I do, or to to, to see the praises as much as I do um, for impact, it's hard to do that as a heel. Um, it, you know, so I did what was asked of me. And we'll always do what that of mean. Oh, What's asking questions, obviously, <laughs> because I'd like to know what the direction is for all these different things and kind in where I think my opinion matters. Um, you know, but we need cheerleaders and we need more than one cheerleader. We need many cheerleaders. And, you know, I thought it was great that it' gotten down well over the UK and, and started here in India right now, um, you know, because we need those things. And to do that as a heel um, on a two-hour television show's a okay. Um, but you have to still have your credibility, um, to be able to talk about the things that are happening in the company and to be able to turn that on and off, um, is difficult sometimes. So you had the match
1: and, uh, it was, uh, a lot of, uh, post pre-production and, uh, sort of told the story and Sharkboy even made a cameo and, uh, based on the whole Twitter deal. And, uh, what are your, what are you, what were your thoughts on that whole thing? Uh, you hadn't wrestled in a while, but, uh, were you looking forward to it? Did you, did you like the outcome?
0: I had fun. I had a lot of fun. I had fun in the planning. Uh, when they asked me about the contacts, they were all sort of like, oh, I don't know if he's going to say yes to this. Um, it, it was, it, I got to, uh, I, I lost some weight because I had something to look forward to. Um, I was in the gym training. Um, so it was a lot of fun. Um, I thought the outcome was great. I thought the buzz around, it was great. I thought the buzz around the whole show was great. I thought that, um, my buddy D'Angelo Williams being there was awesome. Um, you know, he and I had a bet about who was going to have a better match. Um, so I just think that everything, it was the perfect way to uh, to sort of uh, have an event in the summer. Um, you know, I had plans after to do other things with other celebrity people and, and things like that that didn't get to come out of it. But um, for that being the end, I thought it was it was fun. So who won the bet? Uh well, it's undecided because I think I won and D'Angelo thinks he won, but uh the table that he didn't go through says differently. So ah. we uh to we'll, we'll be continued on that wager.
1: So uh you are the vice president of digital media, correct? Uh how did you get into that role? Is it something that you are interested in and um what does it entail for people who may not know?
0: It, it originally it was filling a gap it was coming in and, and being a part of the office and seeing what needed help and where we needed help. And, you know, I, I, my official title is VP of content. So, you know, it's more marketing. It's, um, you know, our team's getting bigger and more robust, which is great. Um, you need that. You can't have one person doing all of this, uh, you know, uh, for over a year. Um, now we've got more people in place and, you know, it's growing. Um, but originally I think it just came from necessity and, um, you know, I, when, when it was the office and Cummins station and it was, um, John Gabork and Dixie Carter, um, you know, I got to do something different every day, um, and, and, you know, work in marketing or work with this person or do that, or, Hey, this needs help. And, um, you know, if you're smart enough to figure it out, you can. Um, so now it's more dialed into making sure that the website looks the way that it needs to look and, and content's there, the way that it needs to be delivered. And, you know, we have a lot happening, right? We have all these independent partners that we're working with, and and it's just making sure that that, that information is readily available. And then it's the marketing of the show each week.
1: Absolutely. Um, so we have a new team in charge, uh, Scott Damore and Don Callis. Uh, they've been around for a couple of months. How, how How is it working under them? How is it different than Jeff or different than Dixie or Billy Corgan?
0: Well, everyone has their own way of doing things and, you know, their stamp that they want to put on everything. I think that, um, you know, Don is getting his feet wet with, um, getting back into the wrestling business and and the role that he's in. And I got to spend some time with him when we were down in Orlando last. And, you know, again, these are people that Scott and Don have been in the wrestling business, um, longer than I have and have been around and have seen everything. And, you know, they're going to do what's best for the company. Um, you know, and, and again, with all these different, I, I told Scott other day, I'm going to get a shirt that says I'm a who's ever in charge guy. Um, but, you know, I like Billy Corgan, too. I got along great with Billy. Um, I thought that some of his ideas were 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 cool. And, and obviously, I've known John since I'm a teenager. And, you know, I still talk to Dixie to this day. So it's, um, you know, you make these friendships and things like that. But as it relates to the business, I think that Ed norton our president, has done a great job of putting Scott and Don in positions where they are. And we're all just trying to get to the future and all trying to get to a situation where, you know, impact can be as big as everyone thinks it can be.
1: A couple more questions then I'll let you go. Um, we had uh, the Pope on uh, earlier this month and, uh, and he was talking about working with you. What are your thoughts of working with the Pope? And uh, you guys made an interesting team. I'm wondering what you, uh, how, if you enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I really liked him. I mean, when Paz left, uh, there was a void to be filled. And, you know, we brought in a few different people to audition. And uh, Deangelo was one of those people. And, and he got my vote to, to be the guy that called the show. And, and he I mean, he was great. He knew his role. Um, he knew what he needed to do each and every week. He was prepared. Um, and I thought he did a good job of bringing excitement and energy. And really, I mean, he would come in, he would do the show, and he would leave. Um, you know, we, we weren't on the road as much. Um, he didn't really come to every day of TV cause he didn't need to be. So we didn't get to really form that, that bond, but we were, you know, I know I can always count on him, um, to be there and, and for his support. And, you know, I, I consider him a, a good friend. And I thought by the time he was done, I was disappointed that that was the decision that they made, you know, to not go with the three man, three man booth or to not have him stick around.
1: So you mentioned it earlier, JB leaving, uh, impact wrestling, uh, I think everybody was shocked. I'm assuming you were shocked. What were your thoughts? Uh, initially you didn't have a broadcast partner anymore. And, and, uh, what, what, what was your, uh, thoughts about that?
0: No, so I was, I was just happy for JB to, to get an opportunity to go and work for WWE and to see what it's like to be there and to, to, to just experience that overall.
1: So you worked, uh, this past week with, uh, Sanjay Dutt and also, uh, Back-to-back weeks with uh, uh, days, sorry, with uh, Scott Demore on on Twitch. So, uh, uh, wondering what your thoughts on that. Who 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 was uh who was it more uh, fun to work with, Scott Demore or Sanjay? Well, I'll never answer that question. But, um,
0: <laughs> Scott told it, me to ask um, you that, by the way. <laughs> I um, you know, I have to think back now. So Sanjay and I, we call Impact that aired on this past Thursday. Um, I thought Sanjay did a, a phenomenal job. Sanjay is also uh, a very talented writer and he knows these stories inside and out. And, um, I thought by the time we were in seg three, it was like, he had been calling wrestling shows for years. Um, and obviously as a fan, as someone has been in the business, you know, that he was going to catch on quick. And I thought he did, he's never done commentary before this past Thursday. And I thought that, um, all the reactions from social media, um, was great. And, and everyone was behind Sanjay with what he did, I thought he did a great job. Scott and I called the Twitch show together the next day, which was a little different for both of us because it was a show that took place with wrestle pro in New Jersey. Um, the first few matches were guys that neither one of us were super familiar with that we had seen before. Um, so it was challenging in that aspect and Scott's done commentary before color commentary. I thought Scott was a lot of fun to work with. Um, I could see doing shows with, with both of those guys moving forward. Um, twitch impact um, explosion all those different things that we have and uh, you know can work well with either one of them I thought it was uh, it was a lot of fun so
1: tell the fans about this partnership t- the partnership with twitch and uh, you mentioned uh, doing a, a, a wrestle Pro show I believe in Jersey you guys are doing a lot of different events around the country and around the world uh, tell me about how it came about if you know and uh, and and what it's gonna entail and how folks could check it out
0: well, how it came about was that Twitch was looking for a wrestling partner. And I think that they found, they were looking for the right partner. And Impact was the right partner, a huge library, 15 year uh, legacy library, partnerships all around the world. And Twitch found a, a great partner in Impact Wrestling. Um, we're going to be bringing fans once a month a Twitch exclusive event like the one that uh, premiered this past Friday on Twitch on our um, channel, twitch.tv slash Impact Wrestling. And it was uh, called "Brace for Impact." It was a co-promotion with WrestlePro, which is a great independent promotion in the Northeast in New Jersey. Um, so it was uh, it was a successful first showing. And, and every month, they're going to get something different, um, a different show from a different location. I believe in March, we're going to be in Canada. Uh, April will be at WrestleCon. Um, April was it the seventh, I believe. Um, April sixth or seventh—that that you know—that big WrestleMania weekend. Um, there'll be another Twitch exclusive. There's going to be original programming on Twitch. Um, So, again, it's just another avenue, another opportunity for impact fans around the world to, uh, you know, to get dialed in, to see what's happening. There's always different things that are taking place on Twitch. Barbed Wire Massacre 3, which ended up being too violent for TV, was broadcast. Um, The premiere was on Twitch. So, you know, it's a great opportunity. You get in there, you interact, you can talk to people. The chatter is always fun. Uh, you never know which impact stars are in the rooms at the at the times either, because a lot of our talent um, like to get on Twitch. So uh, you know, it's it's an opportunity for everyone around the world to to sort of uh, dial in together and watch you know great wrestling that you wouldn't have access to.
1: So we had a fan on on Twitter that I had mentioned that I was interviewing you and and wanted to know about a schedule for Twitch when they could see things and uh, either on your website or Twitch's website. So give us an update on when you think that will happen
0: yeah the plan is to have a calendar on impactwrestling.com that you'll easily be able to go to and see when twitch events are going to premiere not only twitch events but facebook lives and different sort of interviews and teleconferences and all all the things that we're doing um as complicated as it is for us to remember (laughs) i can only imagine it being more complicated for a fan so that's why the calendar idea was was you know sort of brought together go to impactwrestling.com, click the calendar tab and see when events are premiering. One night only is all sorts of different things will take place and, and you can be dialed in as much as we are dialed in.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. You know, uh, wrestling used to be all about having television to a lesser extent, pay-per-view. And if you didn't have that, the XWF is a great example. Uh, if you didn't have that, you, you know, it didn't matter if you had Hulk on tape and mean gene or who, but no matter who it was um, with the, the advent of, of technology. There's so many ways to get your product out there now, and I know that that, that uh, you guys and Ed and Scott and you are are totally aware of that. And uh, uh, so, w- what are the different platforms at this point uh, that uh, that fans could check out Impact Wrestling?
0: Well, obviously, um, there's our YouTube channel, which uh, we just surpassed uh, one billion video views and 1 million subscribers so you can always check everything out on our youtube channel then we have gwn which is global wrestling network which you can subscribe to the premium side of that for a small monthly fee and you can get uh past and current episodes of impact original content um pay-per-views from years past uh gwn is kind of like the premier destination for all the things that you'd be able to want to access on your phone, on your Xbox, on your PlayStation, Roku, Chromecast, all those things. Then there's Pluto TV, which is a streaming service, uh, free service. Uh, you just download the Pluto TV app, and the Impact Wrestling Channel is channel 204. Then from there, of course, you have Twitch, which uh, uh, all the things that are happening on Twitch, the exclusives, the partnerships, the co-pros, uh, the monthly events. You could go to Twitch for that. There's Pluto, there's YouTube, there's Twitch, there's GWN. I think that's all of them. (laughs) Um, Impactwrestling.com features um, clips and videos daily. That's always a great spot to go and start there and work your way around. But, you know, at the beginning of this conversation, I told you that it's hard to miss Impact in 2018. And that's really true because of all these different platforms and all these different things. Um, I think I got all of them. I just want to, yeah, I think that's, all of the places that you can find us now, but it's an awful lot.
1: Yeah. I, for an old guy like me, it blows my mind what you get accomplished. I, I, I look back at the XBF and, and other promotions from, you know, after WCW went away uh, that tried to get started and wonder, you know, what could have happened if we had all these platforms, uh, but you can't look back as you uh, know. So let's look towards the future, uh, both in front or behind the camera. What, uh what other than to help impact wrestling grow and, and, and be what it is. Do you, have any aspirations of, uh, you know, being a, a, a college football game day announcer or anything like that?
0: I mean, I'm always um, on the lookout, and I have, uh, you know, the proper representation, and they're always looking for different things, and it has to be the right fit. Um, you, you know, I'd love to host different talk shows and things like that. Um, and, and we, you know, those conversations have happened in the past. It just has to be the right thing. Um, you know, at this point, I've been in the wrestling business for. 16 or 17 years, um, I love it. I still love it. Um, you know, and they always say when you love something, you never really work in your life. So I've had the, the, the blessing of of never really having to work, um, and to be in a world that I love, um, and continue to love and continue to want to see. And that's the great thing about impact, um, is that, you know, in WWE, I was a, I was a cog in the wheel, um, where you, you were just part of a machine and really don't appreciate how they can, sell out, you know, a stadium or an arena every Monday, and then to come here and to really help and to, you know, to be a part of everything from the digital side to the marketing side, the planning. I mean, I was on the phone earlier today with Ross Foreman, who does our PR, and we're figuring out how we're going to do our VIP for April for our next set of tapings and and all that sort of stuff. And it's fun. And, you know, you get to meet the fans. and, And I mean, there's been times here in the past six months where i've called fan, i've done customer service i've gotten on the phone and talked to fans uh you know just all the things that i can do to help that's 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 why i'm here
1: you certainly are a team guy from the uh, the six months or so that i was able to be back there uh, uh one last question and, and and i'm asking for a friend i swear I i'm asking for a friend but what does one need to do to get unblocked from josh matthew's twitter account <laughs>
0: But this I is, here, for, I have this, is
1: this is for a friend now
0: <laughs> um honestly i okay one i have i have blocked my fair share of people but i also <laughs> have a, a child who takes my phone and has is on my phone more often than i am and i there's times where i have followed people blocked people started uh, you know that buttons are being pressed unbeknownst to me um, but you, Dave, I did block on purpose and I'll unblock you. <laughs> um, we're friends. I was asking for a forward. friend. It wasn't me. I well, swear. I know, I know, but I, I, you know, again, in in you know, the power of Twitter and people can say and do whatever they want on Twitter, but you also have the ability to not hear, you know, somebody sent me a message last night, not a message or tweeted it last night that said, I don't like your commentary, but I really appreciate how hard you work for impact wrestling. I wanted to say, well, okay. All right. And then another person said something like, how you're still, you're so irrelevant. And then I looked and they followed me. And it's like, if I'm irrelevant, then why are you? Fo- I don't, I, I i didn't ask you to follow me. Um, so it's a strange, you know, it's a slippery slope. And I get that it's important. Um, you know, and I've had my fair shares of having, uh, you know, making mistakes and getting on Twitter and saying things that I shouldn't have. And I've learned from that. And, and I don't tweet that much anymore. And, you know, sometimes I want to say something and I, and I just won't. And I don't, I think that's probably the best way to play it in life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Um, you know, I was just getting on to Twitter and, uh, you had said something about as a back and forth with JB about, you know, anybody could be a ring announcer. And I'm, I'm thinking, I, I care less. You know, you've been in this business as long as we have. Uh, it takes a lot more than that to, to, to be offended. You know that. Uh, but, but I'm thinking, okay, well, I could use this as an opportunity to try to get more Twitter followers. So I engaged you. We went back and forth. I was just playing. I don't know if you were serious or not, but, uh, but it ended up with me again blocked. But I, I was just asking that for a friend. But it would help the 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 promotion process of this interview if you did at least for this week unblock me, so I could tag you to promote the uh, yes. the podcast. And then you could block yes. me again if you if you're not happy with uh you know I don't talk politics. I I talk a little football. Big Tony Romo announced fan. You know uh, mostly it's just wrestling stuff. But uh just just I know that I, I talked to you a little bit about it at Impact, but. Uh, I was just totally, I'm just, I'm admitting, I was totally using you to, to get Twitter followers. So uh, I appreciate the t- 30 or 40 or so that I picked up before you blocked me.
0: There you go. I, I will have to block you again, though, if you start putting over Tony Romo's commentary. Now, now let me You don't this. like his commentary? No, hold on. I thought when he first started, it was new. It was refreshing. It was different. He was telling me, like, what was going to happen. And I think it took three weeks. Me to get tired of hearing Tony Romo tell me what play was going to happen next. Like I, I, and it, it immediately turned me off. And, and it took maybe two, at first I thought it was great, and and I even tweeted about it. So this dude's doing awesome. And then two or three weeks in, I thought, you know what, uh, I'm good.
1: It, it, the play calling stuff it gets a little old. I'll admit that. But the, to hear he to, he he acts like he's you know still a football player watching a football game as opposed to a commentator announcing a football game. I just think you know. Uh, it's refreshing. Sort of like when Gruden first started, he was refreshing, and then you know people got used to it, and it wasn't that big a deal anymore. But uh, uh, yeah, I'll get blocked again probably for putting over Romo, but that's not till next year because the NFL's over. Uh, so hey, I appreciate I I appreciate the uh the time and uh, best of luck. You never know, maybe I'll see you again. This is a crazy business. Oh, one one other thing, you. Hey. You did mention when uh, I started you, you were uh, at impact. You're going to help me get verified how still waiting on that. Any chance that's going to happen anytime soon? Well,
0: um, probably not.
1: Yeah. Uh, my son was so excited. I have two, uh, 20 or something sons. And, uh, and they said, you're going to get verified on Twitter. And I said, I don't even know what that means. And I didn't know what that
0: meant at the time. Well, honestly, uh, there is a reason. I mean, when, um, uh, we were working with with a company that was able to do that. And I was I helped everyone get verified on on Twitter and Instagram and all the things. Uh, we're not working with them anymore. Um, so it's just one of those cases where when we get uh, that next group of people that can help with that, then, you know, you'll be on my list of you and, and Santana from LAX. He wants to get Instagram verified. And, and I get it. I wanted all that stuff, too. So I, I will make that happen for everyone when I get the opportunity to do so.
1: All right. I, I need to impress my kids. So it's at David Penzer. Just make a note of it whenever you get a chance. And, uh, hey, thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. Best of luck. And, uh, I'm not sure I'll see you down the road, but, um, I really like, I got to say, I really like, uh, uh, Impact. Scott DeMore is a big, uh, is a good friend of mine, and I, I really enjoyed working for Ed. I don't know Don Callis, but I, I think that you guys, uh, got something, you know, bubbling here, and I, I, I really wish you the best.
0: Thanks, David. I appreciate it. I have, a uh, a- I wish you nothing but success with the show going forward. I know that you have fun doing it, so I hope it, uh, hope it hope it, lasts for a long time for you.
1: I want to thank Josh for his time. I hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, doesn't He doesn't do a lot of them, so uh, it's interesting to hear his story. That's what we try to do here on City Ringside, tell stories and hear people's uh, their their journey through the wrestling business, a business that I've loved and been a part of for over two decades now, believe it or not. So um, if you want to now that we're friends again on Twitter, now that we're going to play nice, if you want to follow Josh on Twitter, he is verified. I'm not verified. Uh, You can follow him at Real Josh Matthews, at Real Josh Matthews. Uh, Be sure to check him out. And uh, I do have to warn you, you do have about a 10 percent chance that he will block you at some point. But uh, there have been a list of people who have been blocked by Josh Matthews, who's like a Hall of Fame of professional wrestling on Twitter. Sharkboy being one of them, and, and so many others that it's almost like something to take pride in. Now, I don't, I don't want to mess up our new friend friendly relationship. We're going to play nice on Twitter with Josh, but uh, if you do get blocked, you can wear it as a badge of honor, as we all do It did. Uh, looking forward to the rest of February and the road to WrestleMania. Should be fun. Got to have uh, all kinds of guests. Uh, we are Working, as you know, with the Legends of Wrestling, as I do uh, from time to time, we have a big show coming up in Augusta, Georgia, and they are going to bring bringing in uh, Road Warrior Animal, uh, the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase, uh, Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, and you know I'll be hitting all those guys up to come and sit ringside with me. So uh, we are looking for bigger and better things, and I know there's one fan on twitter that keeps holding out for sting well the legends of wrestling book sting in detroit in april so i'm gonna try my best to get the one and only sting on city ringside i'd say my chances are about 70 percent. if you have a guest that you'd like to hear whether it's a big star like sting or somebody that's behind the spotlight be sure to let me know who you want me to talk to uh and we'll try to make it happen folks we appreciate your support And uh, as always, at David Penzer on Twitter, happy to chat and answer any questions or just talk about anything but politics in the world. Looking forward, like I said, to a lot more great episodes. And uh, associate producer Mike Freeland will be back as well with uh, Wrestling News as it happens. So be sure to tune in. Until then, I will still be sitting ringside. Thank you so much. Follow David Penzer on Twitter at... David Penzer. Also make sure to follow the show on Twitter at Penzer Ringside. You've been sitting ringside with David Penzer on Radio Influence. When you are looking for the latest news and notes going on in the world of mixed martial arts, the MMA Report podcast is the place to come. News from the UFC, Bellator, World Series of Fighting, and so much more. And also, we'll have interviews with some of your favorite fighters. The MMA Report podcast can be found on RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud.